0: This is the Everybody's Talking at Once podcast for December 29th, 2018. Welcome to the Everybody's Talking at Once podcast, my name is Drew Messenger Michaels, and uh, hey, happy very, very old year. Today Greg Kasavin of Supergiant Games is back to talk about Supergiant's latest game, Hades, which was released into early access uh, earlier in December. Uh, And will be in early access for at least a year, metamorphosizing and so on. Uh, It was released onto Epic Games' new storefront, which is an interesting development. Uh, The very existence of that storefront is an interesting development. How they curate who they decide to work with, how they work with them. That's all interesting uh, since, you know, folks are coming at the king and, and Steam may not be the only uh, viable game in town uh, forever. That's all worth talking about, and indeed we talk about it. Uh, we don't talk too much about uh, uh, the Game Awards where uh, Hades was surprise announced and surprise released, uh, though that's kind of an interesting thing too. Those those have lasted longer than I maybe would have predicted, uh, although they've changed form, right? Are, are the Game Awards... As they currently exist, the same thing as what used to be called the Spike TV Video Game Awards. I realize I don't actually know that. I was at the first Spike TV Video Game Awards, and like the, the Jersey Shore kids were presenters for unknowable reasons. Stevie Wonder was there talking about how music games should be more accessible to visually impaired people, which broadly they're not. The Wonder Song took a, a good swing at it. Anyway, the Game Awards, strange not something we talk about. Uh, The state of distribution of PC games, also strange, definitely something we do talk about. We of course also talk about Hades, how it fits in with Supergiant's uh, broader body of work, how it both resembles and differs from Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre. We talk about Greek mythology, and how Greek mythology itself, as well as Hades' take on it, sort of scratches that Dark soulsy itch of Hearing competing accounts of, of certain events, and not being sure who to believe, and wondering what the person who's trying to convince you of something would gain by convincing you of it. Uh, all of that. I love that shit. Hades very much scratches that itch, as well as the roguelike itch, and just the aesthetic overwhelm itch. An oddly named itch if ever there was one, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Supergiant is just great. And this game is a good one, highly recommended if it sounds like your cup of tea. Uh, and in the meantime, enjoy the interview. Rick Sabin, welcome back. Thank you for taking the time to talk. I, uh, I, I, it always feels like it's been forever, and it, it always feels like we're picking up a conversation we just ended on my side. You do 10 million of these things, so I'm sure it's different for you, but uh, I'm really glad that uh, you could take the time. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's good to, it's good to talk to you again. How, how long has it been? Uh, I, I, I can't
0: remember. Well, since right before Pyre came out.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so not, not, not too long.
0: Yeah, not too bad. It had definitely been longer between the the previous time we talked and the time before that because before that we we yeah. didn't talk around the time Transistor came out. We talked when Bastion was brand new, and then we talked when Pyre right. was imminent. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been less time. It's especially been less time because this game, I guess to jump into it, Hades, is released differently uh, from Supergiant's usual schedule. This is going into early access, which allowed you to put it in front of people. More quickly, instead of having like a full three-year gestation period, uh, it's out there and people can play it. It's not like complete, complete, but it is a game, and it's already, if I may say so, excellent. Oh, well, thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, we we did indeed uh, kind of right from the right from the first moments of the project, like one one of the highest uh, priorities. In fact, as we were thinking about what we wanted to do after Pyre, we got we got started talking about what we wanted to do like very soon after we were finished with pyre. Cause it had been three years and the, the, the itch was back. <laughs> we wanted to make something new almost right away. Um, we, it, the idea of making a game and putting it into early access was like really appealing to us. We didn't know. We, we, have seen many different examples in, in other games. And there are some examples that we really, really like a lot. And we were curious to see what that would look like from us. And it just had a lot of appeal. Um, for the reasons that you said, uh, we could get it out there sooner um, and we could build the rest of it uh, taking feedback uh, into consideration as we go. Because um, I, I, uh, I talked about this on a, a separate video recently, but there, there's a, th- there's this terrible thing that happens when you work on games, which is that you, you only know what you're making uh, toward the very end. <laughs> um, and you, you you're really good at making the game that you're working on right near the end of development and then you stop and then you go like start all over on some other thing. Um so the the idea that we could work for longer uh in uh in the in the mode where we like have sort of fluency over the game we're making was was really really exciting for us and just felt like it would allow us to uh to make the best game that we could that's really what it comes down to,
0: definitely. I, th- I believe you're referring to the NoClip documentary or the yeah. first in the series, which I, w- I will definitely link. I'm really excited. So they are kind of doing, in a certain sense, what you're doing. They put out the first chunk of stuff to do with the launch of the game and the uh, the sort of surprise announcement at the Game Awards and the immediate launch uh, that that followed that, you know, by seconds uh, or really was you know was was timed right with it. And then they're going to keep talking to you, following you, like being embedded throughout the development. Is that the plan?
1: Yeah, that that's absolutely the plan. That that's something that I, I, I've personally been I'm I'm so glad that that uh, came together and it's been it's been encouraging to see the response to the first episode. Like um the you know, I, I, I come from a from a gaming press background myself and um I I just always wanted to know how are games made, like really. Not not just the developer diary, like super produced videos and stuff like that. Um, like what really goes on because people are making this stuff, but you don't really get the stories of how games are made uh, for real. Um, at least you didn't back then. I think there have been there have since been some excellent examples. Uh, But I I'm also a fan of stories where you don't know exactly how it's going to end. So the idea that we uh, allow the like like have the whole early access development. Uh, recorded hopefully through all its ups and downs, and we know that there are gonna be ups and downs if it's gonna be anything like our previous developments. It just makes the whole thing, I think, more more true to life and and more real with respect to what what we're saying we want to do, which is to keep building the game where our our like in partnership with our community, where our community can actually like see what we're doing, the decisions we're making, our mindset toward the feedback that we're getting. Um, I, I I think that stuff can be seen as scary for a lot of developers, and and uh, frankly, understandably so. But I I feel that if we are approaching this the way we always have, which is that we love what we do, uh, we work hard at it, we care about what we do, that that it will it will be okay. It'll come across um, appropriately, and and people will see that it's. It's a group of people just trying to trying to make the best of something, and I I um I think it's important for those stories to be out there and and to see how these kind of teams can work together uh, to to try to make something that's kind of bigger than the sum of its parts.
0: Um, yeah, no, it's yeah. It, it it lines up with the uh, the thematics of Hades in a, in a certain way. I may have even said this exact thing to you the last time we talked, not knowing how appropriate it would end up being. But when I was a kid game development was extremely mysterious to me like it basically yeah. it may as well have come from Mount Olympus I think I even said uh, Hades is very interested in like how the underworld sausage gets made you know Hades himself is almost like more a, a bureaucrat or like a local sheriff or something uh, than than a god and like the way you see him interacting with his job so like the yeah. idea that this thing that is magical I mean like games are in, games are a miracle right but they're a miracle produced by people using a somewhat repeatable but never completely cookie cutter process and so getting to see that you know to demystify it but also to celebrate you know the the work that goes into it and the, the difficult decisions and all that kind of stuff is like such a good project noclip in general does amazing work and this seems like an especially ambitious way for them to go
1: yeah thanks yeah it's it's been really fun um and i i'm just i'm you know these days we're all really relieved that it has initially gone over as, as well as it has the game launched uh, back on uh, uh december 6th so it's been a it's been a couple of weeks um so the launch is kind of stabilized and stuff like the the first episode of the no clip documentary is out there so now we've we, we've basically shown our hand uh we've been working away at this uh, for a while uh, um you know with all these plans and now now folks know what we're up to and uh i feel like our work is cut out for us uh, for a while now you know the launch is such an important uh, moment for for a project like this but but at the same time it's just It's just kind of the end of the first chapter. It's like, what we do from here is, uh, in a lot of ways, I think, even more important than uh, the stuff we did le- leading up to the launch
0: and it's it's very much a launch not just for you but for the epic store i find that to be an interesting yeah. part and you know there's a little bit of not drama right but like little logistical yeah. hiccups and stuff in the first episode of the noclip documentary about this where this is what you know one of, other than fortnite obviously this is like the first big game to sort of launch in epic's store uh, besides the noclip documentary i'll link to a talk you did with gama sutra uh where you said that once you decided you wanted to do an early access title, in order to do that and update on the right schedule and all of that, you you immediately decided you had to pick a platform. And from there, you sort of saw what the Epic Store was doing and, and, and it seemed interesting to you. Uh, and yeah. so you went with that one, right? Not that it'll be on that platform exclusively forever, but that during the early access process, that allows you to iterate more quickly. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. How's that going so far? Um, it, it's been
1: going really well. I mean, it it uh, you know, the part where we can update our build uh, almost instantly is like <laughs> the key one of the most important features that we need um out of this uh, out of this kind of platform and it's it's been great and epic has been really supportive of the launch and helped um uh, you know helped get the game out to to more people um and and it's just a it's a great place for us to sort of conduct our experiment off to the side since our games i think are we we've We've been around for almost 10 years now, making these games, where we have always said that the completeness of our games is really important to us. That we we really value delivering like a strong kind of narrative experience with a distinct beginning, middle, and end. Uh, you're going to get the complete package from us. So the idea of an early access game, for sure, in some ways, is like an about face for us um, on the surface. So we figured, let's run our early access. Uh, over here, and one day, uh, once the game is done, actually on a very similar timetable to our previous games, uh, as as we uh, presume at the moment, um, <laughs> it'll be available in a variety of places, and folks can get the sort of traditional super giant experience at that point where the game the game is complete.
0: Those who want a super giant game on the schedule of traditional super giant development, which you can really talk about at this yeah. point after ten years or ten years on, uh, they can get that. But folks who want to like peek behind the curtain or be involved, really, in the process of it growing, can do so.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's also like for us, you know, part of what's been really exciting, I think, for us as a team and for me personally as as someone who works on the the stories of our games, is that we get to approach it a little bit more, almost like a, almost like a series, um, where this launch is like our pilot episode. So we don't like, normally I would never permit myself to, to like do like a cliffhanger ending for one of our games. Like, I just don't like, I just don't like those kind of endings for like, uh, in media in general, um, where we've tried to make, uh, our, the endings of our games feel very kind of conclusive. So you're left hopefully feeling satisfied with the time you spent. But here, since this is just the launch, the cliffhanger is actually appropriate. Um, the the idea that there's like a to be continued kind of moment um, is uh, hopefully more uh, like closer to what players would expect uh, from an early access launch. And we still managed to like in terms of the amount of like stuff and and like content and kind of the value of our initial early access offering. I think it's like easily on par with our complete games um, up until this point. So it's not like you just get like a you know one hour demo or something. No, not at all. Um, but but the the narrative will hopefully leave you uh, thinking about where is it going to go from here, and we're really excited to keep building that out over the course of the early access period, along with every other uh, aspect of the game. So I think just like participating in the early access will be really will be really fun for people who are like inclined toward that sort of thing and i i think the best analogy i've been able to come up with is like are you the sort of person who would who wants to watch a show you know from week to week or would you <laughs> rather just binge it all uh, once it's over if you'd rather binge it all then yeah you might as well wait until early access is complete but if you like the the sort of real-time experience of it of it growing um then then the early access uh, will will hopefully be just super super interesting and different compared to what we've done in the past.
0: Yeah, to me, the early access thing can feel more like watching a series week to week because you get the water cooler conversation in between updates rather yep. than in between episodes you know you, you actually talk about like maybe something is you know like a broken build exists for only one patch version and you know that's obviously not ideal for the final balanced polished game but as someone who's playing the game week to week patch to patch update to update that's actually really exciting and interesting like oh I, th- I realized you can do this cool new thing now you should go try that that stuff to me is like I was gonna say electric but that's like a pun to a specific broken build I had recently not, not even broken <laughs> That's very good um Yeah, I love that stuff, and it seems to me that roguelikes, which we haven't really described Hades in too much detail yet, but its if I had to compare the combat to another Supergiant game, it's probably the most like Bastion. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's different principally in that the game is structured as a roguelike. It's, you know, procedurally arranged dungeons, uh, not really permadeath within the reality of the world cause you're immortal, but you yeah. go back to the beginning each time, uh, with some boons, you know, like dead cells style or something, uh, to make it a little bit easier, but, you know, but also, but also it has like, it has Spelunky's leveling system, which, you know, exists entirely in your heart as the old quote <laughs> yeah, is right. where you just get better at it. Um, yeah. What I like about roguelikes, you know, in early access specifically, and, you know, Dead Cells was a good recent example of this, is that they grow linearly, you know, like you get to the true end or whatever, but they also kind of grow laterally as more mm-hmm. possibilities exist. And in this, you know, in the case of this game, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd compare it to Transistor in terms of the combinatorial potential of the different abilities. Yep. You get a totally different experience within a given level in addition to there being more levels and stuff later.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think uh, I think you you really nailed it. Uh, that's how we think of a lot of aspects of it, and uh, part of the uh, part of how it all just ties back to the early access nature of it. Like the the kind of the balance and the the structure of of roguelikes is really really vital. Uh, like it, you know, in a story driven action RPG like Bastion, if there's a level that's like not quite balanced or you know it's a little too easy, it's like what does it matter you just kind of you get the story and you move on it doesn't in and of itself it doesn't really uh, harm the experience necessarily but in a roguelike the getting everything to be balanced in a very intricate way um is is very very important and you're not going to get that right unless you get a feedback from a lot of players uh we think and and so that's why it it fit really well um uh we felt the sort of genre a combination as well as the early access, the early access structure. Um, and, uh, and wanting to like, kind of apply our narrative sensibility to this genre was also something that we were really excited about that you know there, there are certainly games that have done interesting stuff with narrative in, in the roguelike uh, genre, though, though we, we felt we had a particular spin on it that we wanted to pursue, kind of uh, make everything feel in-world, uh, in world in a way we like to do uh, with each of our games.
0: Yeah. I mean, so let's talk about that. You you said in yeah. the, I think it was in the Gamasutra interview that you feel one particular aspect of Greek mythology is underexplored in games, particularly, which is the idea that the Pantheon is a big dysfunctional family. Yeah, Roguelikes, it seems to me, having played Hades a little bit, I'd never thought about this before, but I did a little, I guess, with the binding of Isaac, right? But roguelikes are partly about asking you, who do you want to be this time? Uh, and it seems to me that aligns itself very well with the dysfunctional family thing, because there are explicit mechanics in Hades where by choosing the favor of one Olympian relative over another, you piss off the one you didn't pick. Yeah, They have snarky comments about each other. And like, it's not just combinatorial in terms of the abilities, although it's that very richly. It's combinatorial in terms of like, well, oh, you already you already ran into Artemis or something. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. That stuff, I think, plays really well. And, and it, it's one of those things that the mechanics in the story are, are very like hand in hand, you know, when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, we we just those those moments in games where you feel like the game is kind of listening to you and and reacts in a very specific way uh, to things you've done that maybe you didn't even you you didn't expect for the game to pay attention but it did. I I find those moments in games to be really uh, some of the best. Um they they really stand out to me. Uh, in other games I play so we we just try to pack our own games with them as much as possible to increase the likelihood that players are going to you know have one of those types of experiences for themselves and um yeah in the case of this game just having this premise where you're a character who's kind of caught between two sides of a big and messy family you're trying to kind of escape from the underworld and join your kind of rich relatives on <laughs> Mount Olympus um and they're they're all, you know, they're trying to help you out, but they're all these kind of idiosyncratic characters, and you're not quite sure how they even get along with one another. Um, what what their uh, personal or kind of collective agenda is? All that stuff just fe- felt very rich to explore narratively, and also felt very something about it felt very true to life. Also, like there they're analogous stories involving real humans, uh, you know, not just gods, where. Um, you know, people reconnect with distant relatives who are very different from from themselves and maybe don't get along. Slow down, with...
0: slow down. You're telling me Greek mythology is applicable to human experience? It's not <laughs> yeah, just yeah, stories I, about gods? Weird. Yeah. My, my, hypothe- my, my,
1: you know, daring hypothesis is that the reason we still remember these characters after thousands of years is, of course, because, you know, we feel a connection to them because we see ourselves in them, right? Yeah, so it's like... And yet, the the modern renderings of these characters, like Zeus, tend to tend to portray them as these kind of almighty. It, they're closer to like New Testament God, right? Like Zeus is like the benevolent
0: patriarch. And Hades is often just straight up the devil. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and Hades is and Hades is evil. And like none of that stuff, like that's completely, it just that's just not how the source mythology is at all. Um, and I find the source mythology to be deeply inspiring, where these characters are just, they're messy, they're complicated, um, they're, they're mean, you know, they're not just all nice, uh, and, and it's not about good and evil, it's about weird shades of gray, and they'll be good to some people, but if the, if the wrong people piss them off, they're, they're going to never see the end of it. All that stuff feels much uh, richer uh, to me to explore, um, in addition to being true uh to the to the source material which you know is is appealing in itself um and on top of that like the the opportunity to explore characters from Greek mythology who have uh to my knowledge seldom or, or even never been rendered in media like modern media was really exciting like yeah Zeus and Athena and so on we we know who they are, and we've seen them uh in in movies and cartoons and comics and what have you. But there are these other gods, you know, these so-called Chthonic gods, uh, those born of the underworld, uh, like Nyx, who's the incarnate of of night itself, and uh, which is a
0: name and, you uh, know if you've played Persona Three, but you may not know where it comes from, right? Like yeah, who, like
1: <laughs> N- yeah, Nyx is one of those names you've seen it before. You've maybe seen Nyx Assassin in Dota Two. Yeah, it's been around, and like turns out, it's this specific character from Greek mythology that you almost never sort of see in her original form. So um, getting having the opportunity to like, to, to put those characters at the forefront of our story and put our, interpret them um, in in our own way was just really, really intriguing to us. Um, Especially when, when connected to this central theme around, around this kind of family struggle that, that felt uh, true to life, but also rich with the opportunity just to, uh, you know, have a, have a big and flavorful cast of characters and their their kind of ridiculous antics with each other <laughs> as, as as you've played Hades is kind of uh, despite what despite appearances it's I think it's in a lot of ways um it's a more lighthearted game than than our previous games there's a lot of I think there's a lot of humor in it and I've been happy to see that that aspect uh, has has gone over well uh, from what I've seen so
0: far. Yeah, what I one of the things I love about the setting is that it allows you to be sort of operatic in the scope of it. Like you're you're on a journey through you, you know, through the underworld and and all that. But it but the stakes at a given moment can still be pretty low, because after all you're immortal. It's not like it's not as though life and death is precisely on the line. So you can be dying and coming back and be and you know be in horrible pain and see all these terrifying things, but then you just you end up back at home and your dad makes fun of you. And like that contrast works really well for me. I think it really well captures, you know, exploring the world and having family you maybe didn't know that well. And also like being mad at a parent, but realizing yeah. they might be right about some stuff, but also that your criticisms of them were valid, like all that really human level stuff, I think comes across really well. And also your relationship with your dog, uh, Cerberus is really <laughs> well done. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I, 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 agree with the, um, I agree with the impression that, that that it makes the stakes seem low. Uh, but in a roundabout way, to me, it makes the stakes, it makes the stakes real. Yes. Uh, it's something that you can identify with. There there's so mm-hmm. many games out there that are like, the world is in peril. <laughs> and if, and if you, player one, you know, do not complete this challenge, the world will be lost. All of humanity will be destroyed. And you play that and you're like, dude, come on. Like, n- n- like, no, I don't, I don't believe it. Uh, that's not. None of us have ever been in a situation where all of the world was hanging in the balance based on our decisions, so we can't we can't relate to that. Like we can only relate to it in this indirect way, like from other media of like, oh yeah, that's kind of like when Spider Man had to save the world or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But our, our our you know one of our it's it's not so much a secret at this point. Like we like having stories that take place in fantastical places with like fantastical characters but they have to concern uh like worldly matters that that uh we ourselves can can identify with and connect with uh they can't so so even in games like bastion where initially the impression seems to be and we played we played into this deliberately it's like a you know you must save the world type of premise but the game turns out to not be about that so much and it's more about their relationships uh, that you have and what really matters to you. Um, yeah. So uh, I I think even though our games have been, th- they've all been different. I hope they've felt different in intriguing ways, but th- there are certain types of themes that, that I think we uh, still gravitate toward uh, with our stories and characters. And, and Hades was a fun was, and, you know, continues to be uh, like a, a fun opportunity to do that. Yeah. To make the stakes feel a little bit more personal and not to, make the situation more serious than, than, than it really is for the player, just to align the experience with what the player is actually going through, rather than just try to convince the player that, no, it, this is terribly important, when when in reality it's a game where you, you die over and over and you try again and see if you could get farther
0: yeah absolutely no I think you're completely right that by by quote-unquote lowering the stakes you make it feel real and relatable in a way that it can't if you're we we talked about this a bit when we talked about pyre how if the world is constantly in the balance a you can't relate to that and b it's really hard to make it believable because you've like there's a certain boy who cried wolf aspect to like we've all saved the world so many times that it's you can't believe that no this time it really is about the world in the balance so like in pyre I feel like you all approach that by, by creating a situation where losing wasn't lethal. And in fact, you could move on yep. from failure. And of course, in roguelikes, you move on from failure in a different way. But failure is built in and expected and part of the narrative. Um, for both you and for other characters, I really like that after you beat the, the this is a minor spoiler I guess but after you beat the first boss, uh, uh, they end up just hanging out <laughs> in the House yep. of Hades and you can sort of have a chat like uh, like like you know sports rivals or coworkers or something off duty, and yeah. it doesn't mean that they're not gonna try to stop you just as hard next time, but it does mean that it's like human level drama rather than. Like, it also short-circuits the thing that can happen in games where the protagonist is just an instrument of ever-escalating power and is right just because they're the protagonist. Like, the idea that the people who are trying to stop you have completely understandable and maybe even just reasons for wanting to stop you and that it isn't necessarily like a like a zero-sum game also makes it more relatable. Because I don't know, like, you've certainly been in situations in life where you feel like you're absolutely right and the hero of your story, but you're always wrong about that, <laughs> you know, or almost always. So that's, Yeah. yeah.
1: No, and that I'm glad you picked up on that as well. That's something I I really really value uh, from a writing and story standpoint is is just just separating, uh, like villainy from antagonism. They're mm. they're two different things. Like like I find antagonism to be much more true to life than just like the the mustache twirling you know ha ha ha, like villainy of of uh, which it feels very superficial. Like usually you know. Our lives are are filled with antagonism, which is just like people wanting things that are opposite to the things that we want. It doesn't make them bad or wrong uh, necessarily. It's just sometimes life puts us at odds. And yeah, you have one character whose job it is to stop you, <laughs> and and wh- whereas your job is to try to escape. And the the character trying to stop you. It doesn't make them an inherently a terrible, you know, person or something like that. Um, and and I think games, by by making you embody characters, they they have this great capacity to explore uh, explore empathy, to to let you actually experience a different uh, different points of view and just sort of re- like engage with situations in a more direct way than if you're just kind of reading about it in the abstract. So I think our games have always tried to. Try, try to explore that in different ways, like you mentioned with Pyre, where you know you get into certain situations where maybe maybe you, you want to lose, like maybe the 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 opponents that you're up against, the stakes for them you decide maybe even more significant than the stakes are for you. Um, so we wanted to create those kind of complicated situations uh, from time to time in that game. Um, whereas in 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 Hades, it's this more. Uh, I guess uh, part of it here is is to play into the almost slapstick nature of the roguelike experience where um, fail, failure is common and failure often comes with the player feeling, you know, a little bit boneheaded, like, oh, God, I can't believe I did that. What have I done? Hip- I Hypnosis need to...
0: dialogue is very much about that. Like, well, have you tried moving oh, yeah. out of the way when the big guy swings at you and you know all that stuff? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Hi- hypnos, uh, who is you know perennially uh, on our team, referred to as Captain Obvious. Sometimes <laughs> he's just kind of, he's just kind of like purposely delivering just, just stupid back like back chair armchair quarterback advice that is like totally <laughs> you, you know meant. Hopefully, hopefully that stuff is funny. Um, we I have find it really other funny characters who give advice in different ways, but yeah.
0: The hypnosis. I was just going to say, it reminds yeah. me a lot of when someone is uh, sitting next to you on the couch. Uh, and You're playing a really hard game, and they can't yeah. quite see why you're failing so hard. <laughs> like it. It's yeah. like, well, then you, it's like well, hey, then you pick up y- the controller, man. You know yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah. Hey, you know, d- why didn't you just like dodge out of the way when he hit you? It's like, yeah, thanks, dude. You know, it, <laughs> if it were that simple. So yeah, having having some of that, we wanted to have the game kind of laugh laugh with you, uh, not never laugh at you. Just kind of have have some of those tongue-in-cheek moments because the experience of, of failing over and over is is something to be something that should be more joyful rather than just like purely uh, frustrating it's like part of the experience whereas sometimes roguelikes you know they, they uh, you know not to not to over generalize but you you have some games where like the the tone is so severe the whole time and it's like the world hangs in the balance, like I was saying, and then you die and you try again. It's like, dude, I'm. The stakes aren't that high. I'm just. I could, <laughs> I could retry. I can continue as many times as I want. So we're we're trying to have the tone of the game align as closely as possible with the actual experience of playing it, which is you know sometimes serious, sometimes funny. Uh, hopefully, finding a good uh, middle ground there.
0: Yeah, it's it it's not self serious, but it is real. You know, it's it's not just a goof or anything like that. Yeah. But it also, I mean, like the my thing with some roguelikes that people who are serious about the word roguelike would would nonetheless call roguelikes if that distinction makes sense right not yeah. roguelike likes but you know sheer in the wanderer or whatever yeah, yeah besides yeah. you know to whatever degree they can be po faced or whatever they just they are in fact Designed to break your heart in a certain way, like when <laughs> yeah, it's when it's a forty-hour yeah. game with true permadeath, that just that just feels atrocious <laughs> in a very real way. Whereas you know we have this kind of modern iteration on the idea of roguelikes, where yes, you lose progress, yes, perhaps you lose a beautiful build, uh, yes, you come crashing, you know, back to earth or, or down further below the earth in this case, uh, but it's not it's not the end of the world. You can learn from it. You're you know it's not going to take you that long to get back. All of that. Uh, that feels very true to the character you're playing who is quite powerful and after all immortal and whose quest is personal like it's not as though there's no there's no fake ticking clock right It's not as though well if I don't get up there by X time y will happen it's just well I, yeah. I want to get out of here and I'm gonna keep trying as long as it takes
1: yeah we we even joke about that aspect a little bit too because since these are uh, since the since it's a story about these like immortal characters there's even a you know playful, like sense of urgency in some case. There, there's a there's a later conversation between Hades and another character where Hades, you know, gives the character an ultimatum. He says, "You, you have a hundred years and not a moment more." <laughs> yeah, I love um, that. Because because the time, you know, the sense of time among these characters is like completely uh, different from our sense of time as as mere mortals. So yeah, like we we don't want to apply fake pressure uh, to people through the narrative. We want the stakes to feel real and the uh, and for players to want to keep playing both out of the, the richness of the play experience itself and wanting to like uh, dig deeper into the character relationships, not, not because there's a yeah, ticking clock or whatever, which, which can apply like a negative sense of pressure. Like none of us like to, you know, none of us like to be on the clock. Right. It's like, I don't know. We, we, we just, we we felt like this was a time for a game that you you could just kind of, play and enjoy and feel good about didn't didn't cause you it it, it can be a stressful game to be sure right because the combat can be intense and and the the stakes do get high uh in a in a roguelike when you're making good progress and you want to get to the end uh but overall the hopefully the tone of the experience is one that's just kind of it it feels pretty um uh it it doesn't feel too severe you don't have to like emotionally sort of prepare your you could play this game to have fun and relax not not just not be in like a super somber mindset just going into it
0: the the what you're describing is is where the use of the greek pantheon really starts to click for me because like these are not characters who save the world nor do they hold it to ransom but they do change the world the world is forever different as a result of their actions like they are figures who exercise power which is exactly why they're neither good nor evil because power is like power doesn't make people better but it gives them more ability to sort of amplify whatever was already true about them and have it make a bigger impact
1: yeah, the go- uh, you know, it's definitely part of what makes the gods uh fascinating and a- as as like character studies, especially you take someone like Zeus and yeah, you have this modern portrayal of Zeus as the benevolent patriarch, but in the in the source mythology it, it couldn't be further from the truth.
0: He's a uh, yeah, he's a petty philandering like, yeah, y- like... y- yeah, or I would, you
1: know, I would to me it's like you you look at Z- Zeus as a character with with no accountability, he's <laughs> yeah. like a. It's a. It's it's kind of a cautionary tale in a way. It's both. It's both a cautionary tale around what what you will turn into if there are no checks and balances on you whatsoever, no laws, no one to stop you, so you can do whatever you want. Like, are you going to be a good and wonderful person if left completely unchecked? Eh, maybe not. And that's Zeus. Um, and then on the other hand, it spoke to like uh, a particular you know worldview. Um, that, that while perhaps uh, a bit cynical is, is also, again, maybe somewhat relatable of like, hey, this is life and stuff happens. Life isn't fair. Don't get on Zeus's bad side. You might get on Zeus's bad side just by, just by, you know, looking at him the, the wrong way. Just don't do it because otherwise he will exact vengeance on you and it might not be for anything that you did to truly deserve it. But hey, that's life. Um, yeah. Sometimes
0: it's. I was going to say it's so, about consequences divorced from any sense that they're fair, which is very true it, to yeah. life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because like, how to you know where, where were these like you know people have always been compelled to explain the unexplainable, to just make peace with their reality, and and when when terrible things can happen just suddenly out of nowhere uh, that seem totally unfair. Uh, the having a set of fickle gods who can just kind of do what they want when they want that's a pretty sensible way to explain it uh <laughs> i find that it rings very true I find that, yeah yeah it really does so um and the idea that these different gods you know govern these different forces and i love that the olympians are like a combination of kind of elemental powers right you got like poseidon uh, and and zeus uh, presiding over the elements but then you have like Aphrodite presiding over the heart. And Aphrodite is another one of those characters I find deeply intriguing. Uh, who, in the, you know, you read uh, the Iliad and y- you forget that she like fought in the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. She's not someone who just sits around and puts on makeup. She's like, she's scary. She's serious. Um, and, and, Could, because love has... is
0: scary, right? I mean, exactly.
1: Yeah. Lo- love is scary and, and, and love can inspire people to the greatest courage and can also, uh, you know, reduce them to shallow husks. Um, <laughs> I love and, just and,
0: I, to cut in. I love the way that her blessings work, that it's, it makes, yeah. it makes what it touches weaker. <laughs> like yeah yeah, 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 getting like cupidic arrows is a uniquely good experience, but didn't mean to cut you off.
1: No, that that's anyway, that that's all I was saying that like, um, you know, for us to, to take the, Interpreting these characters has been a lot of fun. Yeah, both both in their uh, personalities and uh, and in how it, it translates to into into gameplay. To to your point, and um, ho- hopefully, it even it, like the mythology is filled with with contradiction also, and and comes from a tradition of people kind of passing these stories down to each other and putting their own spin on them. So it, it's been really fun to just sort of embrace that process in, in our own weird way. Um, yeah, and definitely. hopefully, it, hopefully it, yeah, folks like the result.
0: I do love your, uh, depictions of the more oft depicted gods. I mean, like the, the, the very, just the simple fact that Athena is gray, right? Which she is in the yeah. source material, but almost always when she's depicted in pop culture, she's a, you know, a milky white lady. um, right and furthermore that you know that she's warlike right she's the god of wisdom but also like you know like like Ares sort of cribs the war thing but athena is also very much about conflict like the you know those dimensions and those what we sometimes see as contradictions from a modern point of view like but what were not really contradictions then and you know that can teach you something about the society that stuff is a little bit more baked in than usual uh yeah yeah yeah
1: no thank you we we really um yeah these characters like athena and and Ares were like uh, aries was one of the first characters whose whose voice uh, we we recorded and and put into the game and that that one like we felt like we were onto something with him of like what's 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 our version of Ares? you think of the god of war and you, maybe by default you you imagine just this you know this big muscle bound like screaming pro wrestler type like i've read the you know the percy jackson books like render him as like a biker thug kind of guy <laughs> or something like that. And that's and that's fun t- that's fun in its own way too, but we really liked the idea of him as a he's just he's just a character who does basically lack in human empathy. He's just very interested in in pain and death and these kind of forces that affect mortals. He's studying them almost like a almost scientifically, which makes him really kind of disturbing yeah, he's like Count Rugen
0: um, in the princess bride or something uh, uh
1: did you uh did you come up with did you make that connection uh on on your uh, independently the Count Rugen connection that, I did yeah. yeah yeah so that Count Rugen is like very uh specifically who we were trying to channel with him oh that rules uh, so okay. it's That's it's, amazing. it's awesome that you it's awesome that you picked up on that I mean I actually think since it w- it, it will feel maybe a little bit blatant once you uh, once you know that we were going for that but count rugen yeah is the character in the princess uh, bride uh, played by christopher guest who's just you know obsessed with the study of pain and and suffering and does it in this very clinical uh, kind of way that makes him really terrifying uh, like yeah terrifying and kind of but really compelling also oh yeah definitely um so yeah we wanted to go that felt like the right angle for for our version of Ares,
0: no, it, it rings really true. And then, I mean, yeah. so to come back to, and by the way, if you've said the Count Rugen thing other places, and uh, and someone knows the source I, at me, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. I don't know that I have. Okay. That's
1: why I was surprised. I was um, for us, it was a, it, it was actually, it was like a deliberate reference, and and you you calling it out made me like, have I? I don't know that I've. Talked about that. It was um, it was the it, second but it's thing. it's cool that yeah, it, the
0: very first thing that occurred to me was like Patrick Bateman. You know what I mean? Because he has this yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. he's not yeah. enormous and muscle bound the way he usually is. He's he's simply yeah. cut and soft spoken and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think Count Rugen was the 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 touch point. I mean, we were like William Goldman who wrote The Princess Bride just died. So I was watching it recently. Yeah. So that might be part of why it was in my head, but. Okay, I'm glad, I'm glad that wasn't just me, because <laughs> it, it, no, no, it comes across yeah. really well. But I was going to say, cool. to come back to something you said earlier, you know, the, the, the oft-depicted Pantheon is very well depicted here and, and kind of thoughtfully, but I do also love the deeper cuts, uh, including our hero, uh, Zagreus, or our protagonist, I should say, and... Um, he, I mean like I recognize the name because I'm a giant nerd. I don't know that most people necessarily would, oh. and he's like he's he's a, an interesting figure to make the hero of a roguelike, right? Because he's like a figure of familial conflict and also of rebirth. Um, yeah. I won't go into too much detail about the story so that I don't spoil your game, but basically like there's a version of the story that what when I was in school, we what we called the cult of Orpheus, but I guess what's now just called yeah. like the Orphic traditions or something, yeah. where in in a win one version of the telling He, his death, uh, Zagreus' death, kicks off the destruction of the Titans. And then he's, he, like, the ash of him and the Titans is what humanity is born out of. And then, like, Zagreus' heart gets recovered and put in a mortal woman and he's born again or something, right? So, like, all of that stuff makes a ton of sense as a roguelike, right? Like, it's kind of like a figure of rebirth already, but one that specifically comes out of violent familial conflict that he's only uh partially you know privy to or aware of or related to like all that stuff seemed i don't know how intentional it is but it just like lit up the nerdy part of my brain immediately
1: yeah it's amazing that you um you have any uh uh, that you've like heard of him (laughs) because he's certainly a lesser known um there are only kind of scraps of information about him and and there are some deep contradictions as well and we were particularly so i'm familiar with the the version that you're uh, referring to which is very it's a wild story it's, it's insane, like one of those yeah. <laughs> like yeah um so th- there's also um there're also you know these these small insinuations like in scraps of of like a, like theatrical verse that yeah that, that Hades had a son that there're some connections between that that he potentially uh is is connected uh to to Hades uh, who is typically not known to have had um, any any children, unlike someone like Zeus, who had tons and tons and tons of children. Legitimate, illegitimate. Um, otherwise, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so the part where the, the the idea that that there was some premise for Hades to have had a child, and also that there are these contradictory stories about him, and that today we don't really know who this guy is, even though we still know who. Hades and Zeus and that and and company are that stuff was like really felt very rich. Um, that that was like wait a minute, hmm. we we need to we need to dig into this because part of the nice thing about uh, the character being relatively unknown and the stories around him being contradictory is that it gives us some license, right? Like you you may think you know where the story is going, but you don't know exactly um yeah spoiler it, it, alert if you so,
0: google Orphic stuff i'm pretty confident that you're going to see a different parentage for zagreus than shows up in the game hades right so like, that's an anti-spoiler i guess you can't spoil yourself on the game just by google because some, <laughs> no, some smart liberties have been taken
1: yeah well and also the there even even in the mythology around hades there are contradictions right for sure um so so there's no even if you're like a i mean anyway if you it, if you're like a deep uh, Greek mythology nerd and you've played our game, you already know that we're, <laughs> we're taking some liberties with it. But, but hopefully I I was really, I was really curious to see, you know, it, it's a game that no, no, no real knowledge of Greek mythology should be is expected. And hopefully no one approaches it thinking like if they don't have a pre-installed love of the material that they can't possibly enjoy it or something like that, it, no previous experience is necessary. Uh, but but i i was really interested to see how folks more more tuned in to greek mythology would take it and and would would sort of whether they would approve of our um, renditions of these characters or find them you know like distasteful or what since since there is not necessarily a canonical version of how the characters are are portrayed even in, in the original even in the ancient myths, you know, the different different authors portrayed them differently. So um, yeah, it's been cool to see uh, reactions to that thus far, uh, in- including hearing yours. So I, I um, yeah, I appreciate that you uh, you see some of the the source uh, material stuff in there since since that was definitely our our chief uh, inspiration for them, despite the like modern feeling uh, takes on the totally. Characters.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're referencing the Orphix and the princess bride, then I'm on board. I mean, like you've, you've got me, <laughs> you got, you've got a player right in me, but, but you yeah. know, I may not be totally normal in that way. I mean, so, so, okay. Yeah. So let's do a touch point that is a little more modern to, uh, to people whose whose touch points, more recent at least, might be more in games, right? Another series or, or a specific game, I should say, that that, you know, everyone talks about but doesn't get enough credit for this specific thing would be Dark Souls. It actually yeah. does a lot of alluding to the, the Pantheon as a big messy family and you know, Gwyn as a Zeus-like figure, who especially later in the series turns out to have all these illegitimate children and whatever, but also who whose personal slights and family dramas have, you know, altered and maybe doomed the world, right? That kind of yeah. stuff is definitely baked into those games. What I love about Hades is like the Dark Souls games, you know, bask in loneliness and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, they're more Bastion like <laughs> than Hades like in yeah. that way. But like because the characters are compelling, there is a part of me that wishes I could just hang out with them, which is precisely what you get to do in Hades. You get to be in the middle of this family drama instead of just witnessing its aftermath.
1: Yeah, and the 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 thing you said before is like I so I love the um, I love the atmosphere of. Of From software's recent games, uh, including Bloodborne as well as the mm-hmm. as well as the Souls games, but like you said, it is, it's like it's like desolate. It can be very bleak and dark. And and when you die in those games and you return to whatever the hub of those games is, it's like a, it's like a pretty like somber experience. So our our take on that was like, yeah don't you know there are plenty of games where you could play where like you feel bad enough that you died, <laughs> you don't need to. You don't need to then like feel super super bad uh, when you return to where you came from. So that's part of our what we're trying to play with in the tone and these characters like Hypnos, where it's like, ah, eh, you know, that's life. It feels uh, it's, bad in it's a way kinda that's kinda...
0: funny because you're not in the Nexus or Firelink Shrine or whatever. You're back in your yeah. dad's house. Like... Yeah, you're
1: back in your dad's house, and dad chews you out, and it should be and it should be more like it should be more amusing i guess from from moment you get to hang out with your your family dog and sort of reconcile that you love your dog it's cerberus you know the the guardian of the gates of hell but uh, speaking of uh, dogs sorry about that speaking of dogs (laughs) on on cue um but yeah like the the kind of actually cerberus for us cerberus for us was actually like in a lot of ways this this mental image of cerberus as the family dog was like the most like efficient the most like compact way of understanding the tone of what we were going for as we were like setting out to work on this game. We're like, oh man. Yeah, Cerberus just hanging out as the family dog. It just seemed it seemed very rich. Um and we wanted to make it and see what it would, would be like. That that was kinda like what, what attracted us it, uh, yeah. to, to pursuing the idea it
0: rules and it also besides reinforcing <laughs> like, the no i really really enjoy it and i love the little bits of narration about you know Cerberus paying attention to you or not paying attention to you and everyone's different relationship with them in the in the room it's it's all great but it also reinforces that thing you were talking about where the olympians are your rich relatives and you're kind of yeah. out in the sticks because like he's not yep. like cerberus is not just a family dog he's like he's a working dog he's like a yeah. farm dog with a job who maybe even understands what's going on better than you do in some ways <laughs> and like maybe commands more of your father's respect than you do in some ways yeah and it reinforces this idea that you're yeah you're in this little corner of the world where your more famous relatives don't you know don't even think about you too much
1: yeah and that's very you know i i find that very true to the source material where like they the the gods like literally drew lots or drew straws to decide who got what and hades got he got the short straw. It's like <laughs> the they they all get. <laughs> yeah, like that's the reason they, they're all the rest of them, all his brothers and and like his his other relatives are just partying on this awesome mountain and ruling over heaven and earth. And he alone gets the land of death. Um, and and so for us, it was just like a, a you know, even though we play into the expectation that Hades must be evil, I think when you play the game you quickly understand that there hopefully that there's more to it and you understand why this guy's mad like uh, he he's just he's just the kind of he's like this overworked guy who's just resentful that he has to do everything um and everybody else and he's probably wrong in that assessment right but we've all met people who can who get that way um who once they're sort of burnt out um, and feel like they're on their own and th- there's no one to support them they get really they, they recede um, into their own personalities they kind of go go down kind of a vicious cycle of negative uh, personality symptoms and they um, and, and they get bitter and and yeah. that's our that's our version of, of Hades
0: bitter and also like both big and small C conservative like stop being able to imagine that life could be different because they yeah. have this 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 legitimate chip on their shoulder that then you know makes the because the defense mechanism becomes bitterness, you start thinking, well like you know it's like this and it's not fair, but i guess I guess everything has to be unfair and about the way this is you know
1: yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, and that again like ties back to i think the what what makes what to to us what makes this this story feel feel human, and we like a lot of us on team um we relate to it on like a family situation we all have our mm. different family situations a lot of us are are either immigrants or like first generation um uh americans and and so we there's even in a weird way it's even like an immigrant story i like to think of it that way because hades isn't from the underworld he kind of mm. moved there moved in and and his son is a kind of a first generation so there's even this kind of like weird like cu- culture clash that's going on that i find um quite quite interesting to explore uh, in the in the story uh that that uh, back, back to the idea that the protagonist character is sort of caught between uh two different two different families um and so even though the stakes may not feel super high there's something important there he's like can he is he going to be able to make peace with this situation <laughs> and you, you meet characters on both ends of it and hopefully they're like you know, whether they're good or whatever is is for players to decide, but hopefully they're intriguing. It's like, well, are you going to be able to get out of this without making half of these people
0: super upset yeah, or what? That's another angle that, that I love <laughs> that hadn't occurred to me at all. Oh, hey, what's up, service? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good that we have dogs barking on both sides. That's fun. Well, there, we need we need three, right? We need three heads, so there's got to be yeah, another one I, somewhere. Yeah. I... I have uh, I have three as a matter of oh, fact, nice. but
1: it would form a form a pretty ridiculous uh, Cerberus <laughs> with dogs of heads of different sizes.
0: <laughs> really quick, but, what are they? Yeah. What kinds of dogs? Just so I have. The oh, image. it's like
1: two. It's like two Chihuahua mixes and like a like a mutt. That's uh, wonderful. Like, like a medium. Yeah, <laughs> so two small one one medium large.
0: I have got what is, what is either called a, a Sato or a Sato uh, or a Coconut yeah. Terrier in Puerto Rico and then one who is like a Blue Heeler Whippet mix, like someone was attempting oh, wow. to make a rabbit destroying machine uh, down <laughs> south at some point. Uh, and it was quite successful. Uh, yes, yeah. no, she can chase like nobody's business, let me tell you right now. Uh, but she has this big throaty Lauren Bacall bark, just like you know, like she has this houndy thing yeah. going on. But anyway, uh, I was going to say the, the aspect of like an immigrant story and a first generation child story, that knocks me out and that hadn't occurred to me at all, that the yeah. Olympic are like old country big shots. And Hades, yeah. like part of the reason he has a chip on his shoulder, is he's trying to stake new territory and make it in circumstances that are not as easy. And they're they're wondering why he's not just, you know, partying and and they're, you know, he's doing necessary work that they need him to do, but he doesn't feel necessarily appreciated for it. Like that angle I can totally yeah. see now that now that I know to look for it, you know?
1: Yeah, right on I I also love the part where Hades it's just so easy to imagine Hades getting angrier and angrier because whenever because we know that the go- the olympians just like wantonly kill humans uh, like zeus you know people look at zeus wrong they're dead um but every time like droves of humans die it's just creating more work for hades like feeding into his bitterness more and more it's like oh god damn it <laughs> like yeah those guys the Ares started another stinking war or like zeus you know decided to just incinerate a village with lightning like well all right line up um so that that kind of like blue collar aspect of hades was really uh, appealing and you know even though uh, he's he's set up as the antagonist a character in this story hopefully it you know makes him uh, compelling in his own right and like a little bit a little bit relatable
0: that's such a good way to draw the distinction between villain and antagonist yeah, or even like a foil you know in the old dramatic yeah. sense where he wants and believes things that zagreus does not want or believe Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, that's great. That knocks me out. And that's so like Thanks. there aren't too many lines to draw overall between the new God of War, what I keep casually referring to as Dad of Boy, whether people <laughs> know what I'm talking about or not, uh, and this. But it occurs to me that the parts of that that worked really well for me dramatically. I don't know if you had a chance to play it while you've been. Yeah, movie. I did. Yeah. So like the parts that kind of knocked me out were the parts where that felt a little bit like an immigrant story, where you know Kratos oh, yeah, yeah. is kind of you know he doesn't really understand where they live, he's illiterate yeah. in the local language, and he kind of relies yeah. on but resents having to rely on his son. To to sort of get him through those situations and those those aspects of life in the new country that stuff I thought was I wish they'd leaned into it more to be honest uh, but yeah just I don't know I don't, yeah. I don't know what to do with that connection but it's it occurs to me no, that, that I, was in the water
1: you know it's funny actually I didn't I didn't think of that connection between the games uh, until you you just pointed out but yeah I, I love the detail in the new God of War that like that the kid is the literate one and he needs like like the first thing that Kratos starts relying on Atreus for is that it's like, boy, you know, go read that over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those were those were really cool. It also like empowered Atreus in a way, right? Suddenly, Atreus is kind of more useful. Of course, he's fighting and stuff too, but right. it made him useful in this in this different way because, of course, he's never going to sort of match Kratos pound for pound as a as a warrior. Right. He learns to sort of do what southern...
0: Kratos does, but he also has to be able to do stuff Kratos could never do in order to yeah. Yeah, pull his weight. Yeah.
1: But yeah, but Kratos, you know, seemed to move to 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 Norway or wherever the game is set, um, uh, to, to, you know, escape from a bloody past. And, and, uh, the reason, you know, the reason Hades is in Hades is in the underworld because the Olympians are like, they're like conquerors, essentially. They just like, and, and that, you know, um, that again, like family is at the heart of all of those stories because the whole sort of Genesis of the, of the Olympians is that they, they basically kill their parents. <laughs> like right. they overthrow their parents or i mean they, they can't be their parents their parents the titans they can't really be killed but they in some cases they chop them into millions of pieces and seal them in the darkest corners of the earth they depose and then they're like, them in any case yeah they they depose them in a hardcore way and then it's like sweet now now we rule everything and hades you get to go down to the basement and rule <laughs> rule that place over there we'll we'll take the upstairs you get the downstairs
0: yeah, you get to end, and and yeah. the more like you were saying, the more uh, fun we have, the more work you get. The Which more
1: you, yeah, the more work you have. That's right. It'll be it'll be bleak and just kind of you know whatever, and you'll get to hang out with all these other gods that we don't want anything to do with. <laughs> so, the, and yeah, those those characters. You know, we talked about Nyx and stuff. Like the Olympians didn't; they wanted nothing to do with with those. Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, you you just stay down there, uh, you people, and we'll see you later yeah um and but Hades consorts with them and 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 they and there's no evidence that they don't like him like like he 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 seems or as far as i know it seems that he was able to i i like the idea that he got in there and he had to like endear himself to maybe not endear is not the right word but he had to like work with these people mm-hmm. uh, they're they're not he's not there saying I don't know like even just exploring the relationship between him and these other underworld gods like they would be pretty apprehensive about this guy showing up saying you know he's the he's the man from downtown and he's gonna rule over this place now but they're like all right well they they're, they're they're making it work yeah, whether, uh, so, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The respectful working relationship among them, uh, yeah, and the, the deference in, in almost like a like a you know Lord of the Manor kind of way, but also the like genuine respect for the job he does. All that stuff comes across really well, and it's like it occurs to me that the Olympians are also another, yet another thing they're good metaphors for. Boy, it's almost like these stories are super resonant, and that's why they lasted. Yes. Like you were saying, <laughs> it's a metaphor yep. for privilege, right? There's all this necessary yeah. but yeah. unpleasant to think about work involving night and death and and sleep and whatever that needs to get done, but that they want over there where they don't have to think about it and someone's got to do it and what's your place if you're born into that like you were saying blue-collar background and you feel like you're missing out on the white-collar life can you be both right like that's the uh, first-generation kids dilemma always right
1: yeah yeah which side like what do you you know yeah you grow up and like your yeah your father is part of some tradition or something like that do you do you follow in your parents footsteps or do you find your own way that's like a fundamental question that that Pro- probably just about everyone asks themselves in some for way sure. right or l- l- not not necessarily with a father but just and I shouldn't say that obviously there there are a lot there are people who grow up without you know without parents but it, it, they there's still some version of like the, the 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 fundamental question that that people face is like do you do you do you follow the path that's been laid out for you or do you do you find your own way um there I think that idea is probably pretty universal if not if not specifically tied to like parenting and stuff like that yeah
0: for sure yeah and again getting to decide who you want to be over and over is something roguelikes yeah. can sort of uniquely let you experiment with in that in that beautiful beautiful gamey way which i appreciate cuz again yeah, exactly. you're 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 building yourself and you're becoming stronger smarter whatever uh, over time but you're also you're also starting fresh over and over and it's like it it yep. feels a lot like like being young or something, you know, in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you again for, for yeah. doing this. Um, I really, really love the game. Uh, thank you. How long is it? You're planning to keep it in early access for, I think you said at least a year, is that?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we have, you know, we, we have a pretty, uh, we haven't like, um, we haven't made the plan public, uh, both because plans can evolve and, and change, and also because we we do think, you know, back to the question of like, how do we keep it interesting? We do want to introduce uh, some some surprises that we think <laughs> will be more fun if people don't know about them. Uh, they they would only be surprises if people didn't it's know about the them. It's kind of of the beast, uh, yeah. The, yeah. The um, but we have these major updates planned. We 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 have a lot of stuff. We have a pretty good sense of where uh, it's all going, and even though we're we're quite um, happy with with uh what we had for the game right at launch we have a lot more um that we have in store you know you can imagine more more different character like like it's easy to imagine us continuing to add more gods um and we expect to um but it'll be more than that um and you know with the new gods come new characters and interactions and new gameplay and uh I- introducing new environments and new, uh, new ways underworld. for every
0: existing blessing to stack and like oh man
1: yeah exactly so the, yeah the multiplicative nature of, of this style of game is like it makes it really fun to work on and like even for us just the part where we have to play it over and over during development it's like it's better for us too uh, ch- just to design a game around replayability so yeah we, we're really we're really excited about where uh, the the initial response has been really really encouraging and that means so much to us and and we have uh, much more in store so yeah our first big update is just a few weeks out though we're about to we're about to break uh, for the holidays and and catch our breath which will be which will be nice uh, for sure and then uh, go into go into 2019 uh, hopefully feeling refreshed because uh, we got we got lots of uh, cool stuff in store that we'll be excited to build.
0: Nice. Well, this is, this is a game I'll be checking in with every update. I mean, I'll be playing more often than that till I can manage to kill that freaking second boss. But after that, <laughs> I'll be checking in every update probably. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Thank you again for, for nerding out about uh, all manner of, uh, of of Hades related and sometimes only tangentially Hades related material. Uh, everybody should check out Hades if they have ever, any interest in roguelike like Supergiant's previous work, etc. It, it rules pretty good. And it's and it, we didn't even talk about this, but the Darren Corbs music and, and Gen Z's oh, yeah. artwork, maybe the best Gen Z stuff. I've, like, I really, the line work and the colors and all that stuff are like, a spe- I love all her stuff, but this is especially yeah, excellent. You. Yeah, thanks so much. Cool.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's good to catch up. Good to talk. Yeah, to you. good Thank to talk you for to you too.
0: Having me I, on the show. I, I again, super appreciate you taking the time. I know that like as the press circuit goes, I'm a pretty small fish. So, so thanks. Oh no. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, enjoy your holiday break. Uh. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Likewise. Have a good day. Thanks you too, Drew. Bye. Later. And that's the show. You can get Hades in early access exclusively in the Epic Games Store, and you can get Super Giants' other games basically everywhere else. You can get Pyre on Steam and in the PlayStation Store. You can get Bastion and Transistor in those same places, as well as on Nintendo Switch and for iOS. You can also get Bastion in the Xbox Store. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcast. this podcast, you know what I mean. You can find this podcast, uh, singular, the episodes thereof, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify. Uh, if you are in the underworld, I should say we are currently in Asphodel, but we haven't made our way down to Tartarus yet. We are working on it. The logistics are more complicated than expected. The Everybody's Talking at Once podcast is hosted and produced by me, Drew Messenger michaels with all manner of support uh, from Lucio Valentino and Francis Michelle Lopez. Our logo was designed by Aaron Perry Zucker using icons from the Noun Project. You can find everything we do at etao.blog. And let me say, 2018 has been more than a beast. So I hope you are doing all right. Uh, Here's to moving, as I said in a previous episode, toward a better a saner world. Uh, we're all in this together. Games are a way to express uh, how we feel about the world around us, to imagine better or worse or otherwise different worlds. Uh, media and art in general are just sort of necessary bombs to the soul in trying times. Uh, get politically involved, uh, love things, care about each other, and uh, I'll see you in 2019.